0: The words to which I will call your attention this morning come to us from verses 13 and 14 of Matthew chapter 7. This is God's word. It is inerrant and infallible and authoritative in all that it says. Let's give attention to it together. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, we thank you for the men whom you caused to set it down. We thank you that you have preserved it through all time so that we have it now before us in our laps. We can read it, we can understand it. We ask for the presence of your Holy Spirit that there would be reading, listening, and also conviction. Help us as your people to bring forth the fruit of your word, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Many, many years ago, a poet by the name of Robert Frost set down a, a poem that has become very, very famous called uh, The Road Less Traveled. And in this poem, he talks about walking through the woods, he's hiking, and he comes to a fork in the road, and he's faced with a dilemma. Which way will he go? Some of us, we've been faced with a similar type of dilemma. We, we look at a decision that we have in life and we're trying to decide which way will I go? How will I choose? Well, Robert Frost he decided to take the path that was less traveled. He looked at at the path that had a little bit of grass grown over it. It wasn't uh, as well traveled, and he decided that he would go that way. Um, for most of us, that would be an odd choice. This would be like saying, "Hey, I want to move out on Muddy Springs Road." <laughs> I feel a little nervous when two cars pass each by, each other, especially at nighttime. What we prefer, especially for our kids maybe, is that they travel those roads that are well paved, uh, maybe not like Marion Drive, uh, those that are well lighted, right, Uh, that there's not going to be any danger, they're going to be accompanied by many people, That we want to go on the broad, the well paved, the lighted roads, not the ones that are bumpy and narrow. Sometimes, though, the bumpy road, the narrow road, is the only one that will take you to your destination. We have some friends who are missionaries in Peru. And in order for them to get to the city where they minister, they have to drive up and over a mountain that is thousands of feet high. And they never know until they get onto the road if it might be washed out. This is the kind of place where you are literally hugging the side of the mountain to get around. They have to take that road. There's there's no choice. If they're going to minister the gospel in that place, they have to go that way. This morning... Christ is instructing each and every one of you that a road lies before you. You must make a decision. One road leads to everlasting destruction. One road and only one road leads to life. And here's the interesting thing. The choice is not obvious. So you must choose wisely. As we come to verse 13, uh, Jesus is beginning His conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, there are uh, five sermons in Matthew's Gospel. This is the first of them. And we're, we're finally coming to the end of it. He's concluding the sermon. And in this conclusion, He issued four warnings to those who heard Him Preach. The first warning is the narrow gate. The second warning is about false prophets. The third warning is about the judgment. And the fourth warning is about the wise builder. Four consecutive warnings. He's been teaching about what it means to have true wisdom. So, thinking back to Hosea a couple of weeks ago, we remember that God condemned the prophets. Why? Because they weren't teaching the people of God faithfully. So what is the first thing that Jesus will do when He comes on the stage as the incarnate Son of God? What's He going to do? Teach the people faithfully. So in Jesus' teaching, we are are both listening to what He has to say, but we're also observing Him perform the office of a faithful prophet. So his preaching is both true, and they are words that we must listen to, but they also demonstrate something about the Christ himself. He is a faithful prophet. He's been teaching us what it means to have true wisdom. He's been doing that since chapter 6, verse 19. This morning, we are looking at the second of three positive commands Enter through the narrow gate. In some sense, he's reminding us what this sermon has been all about. He's talking about the kingdom of God. To be in Christ's kingdom, one must enter it. Following Christ is an active decision that affects the rest of your life. Looking back to chapter 5, verse 20, remember Jesus said there, He said, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And looking ahead, He will say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Here, We're thinking about entering Christ's kingdom. Who does it? That Jesus commanded that the entrance into his kingdom is marked by a narrow gate. That you and I must choose to enter. The first thing that he teaches us is that certain men will not love His way. They will not love His road. They will not want to walk upon it. In verse 13, He teaches us why men love the road to destruction. Why men love the road to destruction. Let's read again verse 13. Enter, this is a command, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Well, what is this first road? What is destruction? What is he talking about when he refers to destruction? Well, most frequently in the New Testament, when Jesus uses this word, he is referring to final damnation. In John chapter 17, Jesus, you can picture him there. He is praying the high priestly prayer. And referring to Judas, he says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. There he's referring to Judas, the one who was judged, the one who suffered eternal damnation. In Romans chapter 9, verse 22, we read, what if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience, vessels of wrath prepared for, same word, destruction. So Jesus here is describing a certain road whose end is eternal and final judgment and damnation. And he refers to this particular road as the one that is the obvious choice You and I, we sometimes we Are making decisions and, and we think Well what is the obvious choice What is the road that it, it seems Logical to me, what's the rational Road, well Jesus points out That the obvious choice The rational choice is the one that Leads to destruction, why is It rational, well it has a broad gate Everybody can go Through this gate There's no requirement We can all go through together, we can hold hands, we can be four four abreast, and we can all go through this gate. It's an easy one to get through. Nobody is turned aside at the broad gate. Come as you are. Everybody is loved just as they are. No change required. Anybody can get through the broad gate. So it's an obvious choice. Everybody's going to go through it. But he says a second thing about this obvious choice. (coughs) The road is easy. The road is easy. Literally, the idea is the way is spacious. In Psalm 31, David praised God. He said, you have set my feet in a broad place. This was a picture of God's blessing. It's a place where I can bring all of my flocks. There's plenty of room for me to... to, uh, to feed them, to nourish them. I can bring my family in. It's spacious. It's roomy. It feels comfortable. There's, there's liberty here. We can all come. We can, we can dwell together. It feels safe. It offers room. There's no present hardship. So this is an obvious choice. But there's another reason that this is an obvious choice This is the well traveled road. There's an emphasis here. Jesus says in verse 13, those who enter by it are many. Or we might flip it in the Greek. Many are those who enter by this broad gate, who travel down the easy road. The road to destruction is well maintained, no grass grows on the road to destruction. There are many feet. There are many people on it. In fact, most are on it. This road to, destruc- to destruction. It's he- heavily traveled. You're going to have plenty of companionship. There's no opportunity for loneliness on the road to, distru- to, to destruction. If you are a people pleaser, this is your highway. What is Jesus teaching us by this parable of sorts? Well, one of the things that he's doing is he is challenging your natural inclinations. If you are left to yourself, which path would you choose? Which path would you want to lead your family down? I want to go on the easy path. I want to go on the one that's not going to require me to make any change whatsoever. I want to go on the one where I'm going to have plenty of friends, plenty of companionship, never a lonely moment. Well, Jesus challenges you by saying, if you choose that path, you are embracing destruction. I have said to you, stop storing up treasures for yourself on earth and instead, treasure up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's where you should be looking. But that's not the, the natural inclination, is it? And Jesus said to you, stop being anxious. Stop worrying about this life. Where you're going to get your food and clothing. God will provide for you. You see, again, he's telling you, resist the natural inclination of your heart. Stop judging If your way of life is to follow your heart, to do what is easy and what will make you the most friends, you will stand condemned. These are the markers of the road to destruction. J.C. Ryle comments on this passage. He says this, we may well tremble and be afraid if our religion is that of the multitude. If we can say no more than this, that we go where others go and worship where others worship and hope we shall do as well as others at last, we are literally pronouncing our own condemnation. Brothers and sisters, if you are on this broad road, if you have chosen the easy path, Christ is warning you. The end is destruction. But there's a second clause here in verse 14, and and the way that these function together is Jesus has, has issued a command. He said, enter by the narrow gate. And so the natural question for us is, okay, Why would I choose the narrow gate? The one where I might have to stand in line to get through. Why would I choose that gate? And he answers by saying, for the broad gate leads to destruction. And then we ask another question, okay? So if the broad gate leads to destruction, I'll follow you on this rational journey here. If the broad gate is the one that leads men to destruction why would anybody choose the broad gate? Why would anybody go that way? Why would a man choose and embrace his own destruction? Well, the second thing that he shows us is that men hate the road to life. Men love the road to destruction and they hate the road to life. If the broad, easy, popular road leads to destruction, why do men choose it? Why would anyone choose that road? And Jesus is showing us that they are choosing against the road to life. They don't want it. Let's notice the characteristics of the road to life. First of all, it is constricted. This way doesn't have an easy beginning. In verse 14, Jesus says, for the gate is narrow." It's, it's constricted. This is, this is a tight gate. It's, uh, I remember a teacher when I was in grade school, school uh, talking about a trip to, um, to Europe and, and going under to, to kiss the Blarney stone. Maybe you've heard of this, and you have to literally squeeze your head up under a rock to try and, and kiss this stone. This is what the narrow gate is like. It's a constricted gate. Yeah, there's, a, there's a story in Jewish legend about the angel Michael, And he he took Abraham one time on a on a trip, and and he's showing him various scenes in life. And at one point, at one point he he brings him to to a, 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 a division where there are two gates. There's a narrow gate, and only the just enter into the narrow gate. And then there's a broad gate, and this is the gate for sinners. It's the one that they enter into to go into destruction. And Abraham he looks at the two gates and he begins to weep. And Abraham wept because he knew, he says, I'm I'm a big man. I can't go through the narrow gate. You and I in entering this particular gate, we have to go through that gate on its terms. The broad gate has no terms. Anybody can go through. You may have to leave certain things behind. What you and I know is that this gate is Christ. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus is, is again delivering a sermon. And this is the sermon where he says, I am the good shepherd. But he says to the people there, I am not only the shepherd, but I am the door. I am the way by which you enter into life. Since Adam's fall, God appointed Christ Jesus to be the one who destroys the work of the serpent. And here the path of life is presented to you as (coughs) the one through and only through. Submission to Christ as a disciple. Coming in faith and repentance. And what Jesus is saying to us now is that most men will reject him. I don't want this condition. I want to come as I am. The way, the gate, is constricted. But secondly, we see that the way is literally, it's hard in my translation. Literally, it is afflicted. This way offers you the opposite of comfort. There is a broad way. There is a way which you can stand next to your friends, you can hold hands, you can be accepted. But this way isn't it. There are parts where you go through by yourself. And you can see where if you are taking a dangerous journey where there might be thieves on the path, I don't want to go on the narrow way, do I? Why? Because there's no place for me to turn. There's one way. It has one end. And if there's harm that's going to come to me, I can't turn aside. I have to keep going ahead. That's the narrow way. It is not the, the place of comfort. Paul uses the same term in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 to, to describe persecution. If you choose the narrow way, you will be persecuted. Sometimes you might be struck down. There are going to be points in your life where you might suffer physical affliction. It is the place where there is the presence of fighting without. right, You're going against the flow, against all of those who are taking the road to destruction. You are weaving your way through. You're taking the narrow road, there's fighting without and there's fear within. Is that the obvious choice? And God has made it intentionally this way. Those who are faithful never congratulate themselves that they are walking on the narrow road the afflicted road the through the constricted gate you and i know that the only reason we ever come to this gate in the first place is because we've been led by the spirit of god he is the one who enables us to embrace this way and not only that but we are able to persevere through the difficulty of it because of his strengthening He is the one who brings us at last to the very end. He enables you to reject the praise of men in favor of the praise of God. There's a third characteristic of this way. It is constricted, it is afflicted, and it is limited. This is a logical conclusion, isn't it? Who's going to take this way? Who's going to drive down Muddy Springs Road in the dead of night? Only those who choose to do so. The constricted and afflicted way is lightly traveled. You remember that moment in 1 Kings chapter 19? Elijah was on the run from uh, Ahab and Jezebel. And he went out into the wilderness, and he sat down to cry about his situation. And he complained to the Lord, and he said, Lord, I'm the last one. Uh, Just kill me now. And it was in that moment that the Lord comforted him by his word, saying, Elijah, there are 7,000 people who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. But Elijah expressed an emotion that you and I often express, and especially in times like these. How small is the church? How few are there who really profess faith in Christ? Oh, there's, there, are, there are many, many who, who go for the lights and the sound and the, the circumstance and the feelings and the experience. But one of the things that we learn about the narrow way is this. You may not get to choose your friends. You may have to be satisfied with the friends that God chooses for you. The ones who will be faithful. The ones who will stick with you. But one thing that you can be assured of is that the circumstances of this journey will result in closer companionship on this road than any you could hope to have on the road to destruction. The gate is constricted, the way is afflicted, and the road is limited. Note, lastly here, that there are few who find this way. We we saw in the broad road, the broad gate, that there are many who enter through it. But Jesus used a different term. There are few, not who enter it, but few who find it. No man, hardened by his sin will ever spend any time looking for the way to life. He will be perfectly content to exchange eternal destruction for a few years of ease here. That's what I really want. I want to be able to live cradle to grave just just doing what I want just a a little time of leisure, a decent retirement. I want to see my kids graduate from college to go on, kiss my grandchildren on the forehead to die in peace. That's all I ask. Contentedness on the road to destruction. Today, this morning... Christ commands you, enter the narrow gate. You must do it. You must choose it. Eternity depends upon this choice. Stop living as though this life is the most important one. That's that's the essence of the command. Seek God's mercy in Christ Jesus. Humbly submit yourself to Him as a disciple. Plead for the empowering work of His Holy Spirit and ask Him to assure you that your end is life. Let's pray. Father, we ask You for kindness this morning. You don't owe us any. What we deserve is justice. That we have sinned against You severely. So we ask, Lord, this morning that You, by Your sovereign power and Your great mercy, would point each and every one of us to the narrow gate, cause us to go through at Christ, to experience abundant life, here and now and in the age to come enable us to persevere even in these times of affliction when we feel most strongly that we are walking in a way that is opposite of the world and let us do so with bravery and with courage help us not to turn a back not to turn aside to the, to the right or to the left but to be faithful as your children And disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, our faithful prophet, in whose name we pray, amen.